Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Hello, friends. Father Frank Pavone here, National Director of Priests for Life, the largest pro-life ministry in the Catholic Church. Welcome to Praying for America. Glad you could join us. We have a nice, great audience tonight, and I want to talk to you about a victory that was handed down this morning from the Supreme Court. It wasn't the Dobbs case, but it was one of the big cases that I spoke to you about the other night. Remember, we had a special program where I said uh, there is a... uh, Uh, There is a series of victories that we can have uh, along with the Dobbs case, and the one today is on the question of religious freedom. I'm going to explain the case uh, to you, but of course what we do on this program is not just hear the news or comment on the news, we pray over the news. And I want to pray over the, uh, the two couples who brought this case to the Supreme Court and won that case today for religious freedom. Uh, Let's go to the scriptures and uh, go to the first letter of uh, Paul uh, to Timothy. And we read this in chapter 2. First of all, then I ask that supplications, prayers, petitions, and thanksgivings be offered for everyone, for kings and for all in authority, that we may lead a quiet and tranquil life in all devotion and dignity. This is good and pleasing to God our Savior, who wills everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, and there is also one mediator between God and the human race, Christ Jesus, himself human, who gave himself as a ransom for all. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this scripture, which points out that One of the duties of civil authority is not simply to keep order and to protect our lives, but to protect our religious liberty, that we may serve you in all true worship and dignity. Lord, we ask that this freedom that was so central to what our founders built when they started this nation may always be preserved, that this freedom may always be valued, that we may understand what it is, that our courts may judge justly, and that we may continue to accumulate victories for freedom and for life. Lord, in this program, we also want to pray for the needs of all our viewers, for their families, for decisions that need to be made, for health, for growth in faith, for protection, for wisdom, in thanksgiving to you for the blessings they've received, for consolation in the midst of sorrows, for calm in the midst of fears. Bless all of our fellow patriots, fellow disciples of your Son, Jesus Christ, for it is in his holy name that we pray. Amen. Okay, so today was a decision day. Now, there are certain days that the Supreme Court says it will issue opinions. And of course, a lot of people are watching this very closely because uh, there are big, big uh, cases going to be uh, decided in these coming days. By the way, as I'm giving you this uh, information, feel free to ask questions and we'll go to questions uh, every so often 
I'll answer as many as I can. Leave your own comments together with the prayer intentions, of course, that we want to lift up to the Lord. So today was one of those decision days. You can find out uh, the decision days on the SCOTUS blog, scotusblog.com website. There's a little calendar down in the lower right-hand portion of the screen, and uh, you will see the days they designate as days that more opinions will be issued. Now, right now, there are about 13 more cases uh, to be issued. There were about five opinions handed down today. Uh, There are about 13 more left in this term. Uh, So what that'll include the Dobbs case on abortion. And uh, so likely... Uh, we'll have uh, the rest of this week and next week, maybe a few more decision days, and they'll be able to get through all of them because they've been issuing in the, over the last few decision days about five uh, opinions at a time. They start at 10 in the morning. They release them at 10-minute intervals. Harson versus Macon, a case coming out of the state of Maine, is the one that was released today. Uh, let me explain this case to you. Before I do so, let me take uh, uh, J- Jan's question. Uh, why are they delaying uh, the Dobbs decision? Security reasons. Uh, could be security reasons. Uh, could could otherwise simply be that, you know, with a big case like this, uh, the justices um, are still finalizing their uh, opinions. And uh, we really don't know... Um, it's probably a combination of those two things that would make sense. And we'll see soon enough uh, uh, when this decision comes out. Okay. This case out of Maine had to do with a provision in the law. What Maine does is they have um, these um, tuition, this, uh, tuition assistance program. So let me just read the, be- the beginning of the decision here. Justice Roberts was the author. Um, for parents who live in school districts that do not have their own secondary school, the state will offer tuition assistance to, uh, through the school district to the school that the parents choose. So the parents will choose a school for their child to go to, and then Maine will, will direct the money to that school. But for a school to qualify for that money, it has to be non-sectarian. And the parents who filed this uh, case said, no, we want to send our our children to a religious school and we are being discriminated against. We are being hindered in our free exercise of religion, which, of course, includes giving our children this religious education. We're being being um, hindered in our free exercise of religion by the fact that a sectarian school doesn't qualify for these funds. Bottom line is the court agreed with that. The court agreed and said it is a violation of the free exercise clause of the First Amendment when a state does this. Now, this, the court pointed out, is is consistent with other rulings they have made in the past, and they explained two of them, which I want to explain to you as well, um, which have held the same doctrine, and here's the the principle. Uh, Justice Roberts writes, we have repeatedly held that a state violates the free exercise clause when it excludes religious observers from otherwise available public 
benefits. Okay, so you have a public benefit of some kind, generally applicable to the population. And if some of those people who would otherwise be the, the, the uh, folks who can enjoy that particular public benefit are not allowed to enjoy it precisely because of their religious exercise, that is not constitutional. Here's two examples that they gave for recent cases. From 2017, Trinity Lutheran Church case. The court says, we considered a Missouri program that offered grants to qualifying nonprofit organizations that installed cushioning playground surfaces made from recycled rubber tires. The Missouri Department of Natural Resources maintained an express policy of denying such grants to any applicant owned or controlled by a church, a sect, or other religious entity. The Trinity Lutheran Church Child Learning Center applied for a grant to resurface its gravel playground, but the department denied funding on the ground that the center was operated by the church. So the court said this violates the free exercise clause. It's wrong for Missouri to expressly discriminate against otherwise eligible recipients by disqualifying them from a public benefit solely because of their religious character. So, very similar case decided a few years ago, and they're invoking the principle to decide this one here right now. Second case, just two terms ago, a case called Espinoza, and uh, the court reached the same conclusion. Disregarded a Montana program of tax credits to donors who sponsored scholarship for private school tuition. The Montana Supreme Court held that the program, to the extent that it included religious schools, violated the Montana Constitution. So the state terminated the scholarship program, preventing the petitioners from accessing the funds that otherwise would have been used to fund their children's education at religious schools. And once again, the Supreme Court said that was wrong. And therefore, they resolved this current case in the very same way, saying that the state of Maine was wrong to exclude schools simply because they are religious. So I want to pray uh, with you here for uh, the court. But also, let me give you the names of the couples that brought this uh, suit because they are to be congratulated today uh, together with their uh, children, David and Amy Carson, who reside in Glenburn, Maine, and then Troy and Angela Nelson, who live in Palermo, Maine. Uh, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for these families. We thank you for these parents, men and women of faith, who have had the courage to stand up for their constitutional rights and those of their, their children, to exercise their religion by passing that religion along to their children, by sending their children to schools whose pur purpose is to pass that religion on to the students. We applaud and we ask your blessing on these parents and on, these, on their children. We ask your blessing, Lord, upon these schools, their teachers, their, their uh, 
their whole operation, Lord, of, of handing on faith to these students. We thank you for this victory from the court that will no doubt assist many parents in many schools, in many places, to choose the people they want to help them in their primary responsibility to hand on the faith, to witness to the gospel, to form their children in those values and in those tenets, in those biblical principles, in those truths that lead to salvation. Lord, we pray for the justices that they might continue on this road of reaffirming religious freedom, that they might continue to show our nation that funds going to a religious school from a state do not necessarily violate the First Amendment. That funds going from a state to a religious school, because they're part of an overall public benefit for the citizens, do not constitute an establishment of religion. Lord God, let freedom reign. Let freedom reign to profess and live the faith. We pray in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Well, let's celebrate this victory and uh, uh, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it to others as well. Let me look at some questions here. Um, Walter is asking about, uh, could there be a, a change in the tax law to include the unborn as a dependent child on a tax return? Yeah, that sounds like, uh, that sounds like a very good idea. Of course, the, the status of the unborn is being more and more recognized in various legal contexts outside of abortion. And uh, this is another, another way, of course, of uh, building and witnessing to a, uh, to a culture of life. Um, okay, Michael is asking, why is New York State Governor Kathy Hochul wanting to investigate pro-life pregnancy centers for not referring women for abortion? when it is contrary for them to do so. You know, this is, uh, well, first of all, because she's so pro-abortion and the whole Democrat party is completely sold out to the abortion industry. I think all of you know that. Uh, but secondly, you know, that kind of a thing is um, uh, actually the subject of laws that had been passed in California and Hawaii that were the subject of a Supreme Court case just a few years ago that we want. Our friends over at NIFLA, the National Institute of Family and Life Advocates, challenged the, um, uh, the laws. And uh, what they said was, you cannot have a, a requirement that a pregnancy center refer a client for an abortion or provide any kind of information leading to an abortion. Because the pregnancy center exists precisely for the purpose of leading her away from abortion to better choices. And the court ruled uh, in favor of the pregnancy centers, in favor of NIFLA, which is a, a network of pregnancy centers. So uh, if the governor is um, doing things now in that same direction, somebody ought to alert her that the Supreme Court has ruled on this kind of thing and uh, she shouldn't be meddling in that kind of it's a violation of conscience and it's a violation of not only of, of religious exercise, but it's a question of free speech. Free speech doesn't only mean that you can say what you what is on your mind. 
It also means that you can't be forced to say what is not on your mind and uh, speak a message contrary to what you are uh, convinced of. Can the court allow vouchers for parents to use to send their children to religious schools? Uh, certainly, they certainly yes. Uh, and of course, uh, school voucher programs, it's all kind of in line with the same principle that this case is standing on. It, it, and, and it'll vary according to state law, of course. But if, again, remember the principle here that the court is articulating is that if there's a public benefit program, so it's in the form of vouchers, in the form of uh, like what Maine was doing with the uh, the funds coming through the school district to the school of the ch parents' choice. Or however it might be structured on a state level or even on a federal level, um, something that would otherwise be available to a person, to a family. But the only reason it is not being made available is because of their religious beliefs or practices the court is saying that's the principle that cannot be uh, cannot be done. You can't exclude a person again who would otherwise be eligible for a public benefit program. You can't exclude a person because they're using this for a religious purpose, a religious school, a religious practice, etc. So we'll be seeing more of this, I'm sure, and uh, it's important for us to understand that. Uh, we're on a path of victory here with the Supreme Court. Now, there's a lot of other things going on. Did you see, did you see the comments of the vice president today? Oh, my goodness. Where in the world does this woman come from? She was talking about, uh, of course, she was asked about the uh, imminent decision from the Supreme Court on the Dobbs case on abortion. She made a statement that... You know, we people of faith, people of faith, acknowledge when it comes to uh, abortion that uh, this doesn't have to make us change our faith or abandon our faith. What? The killing of a baby has got nothing to do with your faith? You're not abandoning your faith if you kill a baby? Remember what the first letter of John says when he asks, how can the love of God survive in a person who has enough of this world's goods but turns his back when he sees his brother in need? So you see another person who needs something. St. James says, true religion, help the orphans and the widows. You can't love God without loving your neighbor. Scripture links our relationship with God to our response to the needs of others. Now, if the love of God can't survive in someone, and again, this is Scripture, not me, who turns his back when he sees his brother in need, and remember, that's why in the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, that's why the rich man went to hell. Not because he was rich, but because he ignored the other man. Lazarus, who was begging at his table. And we can multiply the examples on and on. The scripture makes it very clear that living a life of faith means you're responding, you're sensitive to the needs of others. And in the name of the God in whom you have put your faith, you tend to those needs. I mean, this is so basic. And here we have now the vice president saying, oh, well, for those of us of faith who believe in abortion, 
Believing in that it, 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 it doesn't mean we have to change or abandon our faith. Yeah, it kind of does. You can't be a believer in Christ. You can't be a believer in God. You can't claim to love. Well, again, let's use a scriptural uh, uh, phrasing of this. How can you love the God you do not see if you can't love the brother or the sister that you do see? It's First of all, why is the vice president commenting on matters of faith in the first place? You see what these, these, what these pro-abortion politicians try to do all the time. Biden is guilty of this. Pelosi is guilty of this. They try to be the ones to set the standard and to define the boundaries of what faith means and what it doesn't mean. Isn't that something instead that the believer, in conjunction with the pastors of the church that they choose to believe in, need to be working out and determining? where? How do you determine the boundaries of what your faith does and doesn't allow? Well, first of all, it depends on what faith you, you, you believe in. And then you put yourself under, obviously, the guidance of the Holy Spirit if you're a Christian, and the guidance of local pastors who are doing the work of God in teaching the, 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 the people in the, in the uh, congregation. The vice president has no constitutional role here in setting the boundaries of people's faith. And why would she be making a blanket statement like that anyway? You're the vice president of the United States and you're, you're, you're speaking to whom exactly? People of faith, people of across America are of many different faiths. Brothers and sisters, believing in God and loving God and serving God is completely incompatible with killing babies or thinking it's okay to kill a baby or telling other people they have to pay for killing of babies. It's completely wrong. But you know that. And I think that brings us to another need to pray. Father, we pray tonight for these misguided, misguided politicians. The vice president, the entire administration, Biden, Pelosi, the whole bunch of them. The Democrat Party as a whole sold out to the abortion industry. Lord God, we know that many of these people claim to believe in you. They claim to follow you. They claim the name of your son. And in doing so, they disgrace us all. They disgrace us, Lord, who make sacrifices to preserve the lives that you have created. They disgrace us who go out of our way to love, protect, nurture life. And they say you can trample it underfoot. And oh, you don't have to change your faith. Lord God, we ask that these people will be brought to enlightenment and will be given the grace of repentance because they need to repent of these false ideas. Lord, keep us humbly on the path of truth because we know there are temptations. We know the devil prowls about like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour, that we must resist him solid in our faith, solid in a faith that we know leads to service, leads to love, leads to welcoming life and never to destroying it. Keep us on that path, Lord God, of truth and life and love. And we pray all of these things in the name of Jesus and in the words he taught us. 
our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. We pray for your intentions here at Priests for Life, my friends, and I hope you connect with us. Our main website is endabortion.us, our broadcast site, endabortion.tv. And in regard to the Supreme Court's upcoming decision now just days away, in the Dobbs abortion case, supremecourtvictory.com. We want you to uh, pay uh, attention to those websites, stay connected uh, with us in that way, because we're going to keep you informed on this program and on other broadcasts, too, that we do at different times of the day on endabortion.tv. We will keep you informed of all the details. In fact, this morning I was speaking about the Dobbs case in Washington, D.C., I was at the America First Policy Institute. I want to mention that to you tonight before we finish here. AmericaFirstPolicy.com. I don't know if you're familiar with this group, but it was formed not that long ago and consists of many of the great people that worked in President Trump's uh, White House crafting policy to implement the America First agenda. So the America First Policy Institute continues educating people on what America First policies are, continues advocating, defending those policies that are in place, advocating for policies that need to be in place, and creating policies behind the scenes that will be ready to launch when President Trump is back in office and in future Republican administrations. AmericaFirstPolicy.com. Check it out. I was with them this morning because they hosted a, a panel a discussion about the Dobbs case. You might have seen it because Right Side Broadcasting uh, was there and, and, and broadcasted the event. So I was very, very pleased to participate in that together with my longtime colleague and, and friend, uh, Evangelist Alvita King. Uh, she um, was part of our Priests for Life ministry team for like 16 years uh, and still, still is on our board and works together with us, um, but has been serving the America First Policy Institute, actually, with more of her time and a number of other projects that she is pursuing. So Alvita King was there, Pastor Paula White spiritual uh, uh, advisor to President Trump. And of course, Brooke Rollins, who serves as the CEO and president of the America First Policy Institute and was the director of domestic policy for President Trump, did such a great job. And it was great to be with her this morning. So uh, check out the video on, uh, on Right Side Broadcasting Network and stay connected with me, friends, uh, at FR Frank Pavone on social media. You can see the address there and Right Side Broadcasting at RSB Network. Great to be with you tonight. Uh, we'll uh, be back each evening. Spread the word about this program, and thank you for watching. God bless you all.